All right, ready, Gamma? Ready. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to that one spot because I, I want to make some edits. All right, ready? Oh, so, okay. ready? Oh, okay. There are okay. four ontological positions in regards to the makeup of reality or whether reality is constituted of or the the four the four ontological positions are in regards to whether reality is constituted of mind or matter the mentalists say that reality is mental slash the mind and not physical the first quadrant is always mental and non-physical. Okay. The Cartesian dualists say that reality is made up of both the mind and physical matter. The second quadrant is an intermediate between mental and physical. Like liquid is an intermediate between gas and solid. Or between mental slash non-material slash ethereal and physical like liquid is intermediate between gas and solid on a side note the four states of matter are gas liquid solid and plasma plasma is a different fourth that is a different fourth state of matter that most people don't know about the fourth quadrant is invariably different in the quadrant model The third ontological position is that there is no mind and everything is physical matter only. This position is called physicalism. The third quadrant is always connected to physicality. It is solid and affiliated with action. So the third quadrant is solid and affiliated with action. The fourth transcendent ontological position is neutral monism. Neutral monism says there is neither mind nor matter in existence. Many philosophers say that neutral monism is impossible. The fourth quadrant never belongs. How can there be no mind or matter? To many, this doesn't make sense. Spinoza is a sort of neutral monist, however. He says that everything is God. Thus, he argues that reality is neither mind nor matter, but reality is God only. Leibniz is sort of a neutral monist. He says everything is monads, and he sees monads as God. Monads, he states, are neither mind nor matter. The quadrant... in everything? Mm-hmm. The quadrant model is somewhat neutral monism, which is the fourth quadrant ontological position. In the quadrant model, the fourth quadrant always transcends yet contains the previous three quadrants. Existence is just predominantly patterns of the quadrant with differentiation association patterns between the four quadrants and variants. Things exist insofar as they are aspects of the overarching quadrant scheme in, of relational demonstration. The quadrant is the all. Thus, I would say that, sure, there is mind, and sure, there is matter, but also mind and matter are only existent as everything is only existent in so much that it relates to the quadrant's manifestation of existence in relational coordination of all events in systemic, systematic, and coherent structural unity. So, really, all that exists is the quadrant. Mind and matter are just consequences and necessary components of the quadrant's presentation and wholesale sovereignty. The quadrant model, in my view, is God. In a sense, my viewpoint associated with the fourth quadrant ontological position, neutral monism, transcends yet includes the first three ontological positions. The fourth quadrant always transcends yet includes the first three. Existence is the quadrant model slash God, and mind and matter are inevitable necessary constituents of the quadrants on the directional, on the dimensional emanation and articulation. It exists only in order to partake in the quadrant's hegemony and dominion as a generator of existence in its meta-consistent method and means of impartation. Without mind and matter, the quadrant's revelation of being as being would not be manifest. 
but mind and matter are only elements of the quadrant's revelation as a quadrant is primary and supreme. What do you think of that, Grandma? I don't know. The four ontological positions, mentalism, everything is mind and not physical. There is no physical matter. Reality is just mind. An example of a mentalist would be George Berkeley. Uh, Cartesian dualist is the second quadrant. Reality is both mind and physical. Or is both constituted of mind and physical matter. Reality is made up of both mind and matter. An example of a Cartesian dualist is Rene Descartes who said that mind and matter both exist. Physicalist is a third quadrant. Everything is only physical. There is no mind. An example of physicalist is Patricia Churchland. She believes that the mind is an illusion. She was a professor at UCSD, the college... Did you ever know her? No. Where I graduated, where where I got where I received my bachelor's degree in psychology in 2012. Fourth quadrant, neutral monism. Fourth quadrant, neutral monism. Reality is neither mind or physical. An example of a neutral monist is Leibniz, who said everything is monads, which are neither physical or mind. What does nomads mean again? Monads. What is it? Those are what uh, Leibniz said make up reality. What makes up reality? But, he, he, but I don't think, you know, it was just his philosophical position. Anthony A. Hokema has a book called The Four Major Cults. He outlines the four major cults of Christianity. They correspond, or in... In the book, he outlines the four major cults of Christianity. They correspond to the four ontological positions of philosophers. And the four and they and the four and they Illuminate the four quadrants of the quadrant model. Yep. Um, what did you do about going to is it either Israel or New York? Well, I don't want to go to Israel because number one, I'd have to get an apartment. Number two, uh, so I wouldn't be able to stay in in the dorms. Number two, I'd I'd have to get a shot. Yeah. And and well, I'd have they to. They wouldn't let you stay in I the mean, dorms. I mean, I mean, no, because I said I was I was thirty one and he wanted me to stay. You know. I mean, I guess I could. I could go if I run and get a shot right now, but I think I'll be in a little bit of a rush, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm supposed well, to... You should get your shot. I wish I could convince you. I'm supposed to leave on, on July 1st. I mean, I would be supposed to leave on July 1st, and, and I guess I could do it, but at the yeah, same time, I'm just that's... like... 
it, it seems like it might be a little bit hectic and a little bit crazy, and I, I don't even know if I'll be safe there, you know? Yeah, that's true. So I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm gonna try to, I'm actually gonna try to go to a yeshiva in Los Angeles if I can, and if I and if I can't get in the yeshiva in Los Angeles, I'm just gonna go back to Utah and go to the Hindu temple. What's in Los Angeles? What Los, what you see is in Los Angeles? No, a yeshiva. Oh, yeshiva. Oh. So, so if 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 I, yeah, it, so I I decided I'm either gonna go to yeshiva in Los Angeles if if they let me in for this next summer thing, or if they don't let me in for this next summer thing, I'll just go to Utah and stay at a Hindu temple. They don't have anything in the fall. Yeah, they have something in the winter too, but I mean, I would stay in the Hindu temple and wait, and then once once it, the, it starts up again, then I would go to that. Oh, okay. So it says the Christian scientists believe all reality is the mind. The Christian scientists are like mentalists. The first quadrant is always non-material and connected to the mind. The Seventh Day Adventists say that existence is both mind and physical. Seventh Day Adventists are the most like Cartesian dualists. I'm gonna say Seventh. Day Adventists believe that following the Sabbath is essential for salvation. And they also hold that the Sabbath is or should be followed on Saturdays. As opposed to Sundays. The second quadrant tends to be the most associated with order and the law and conservatism. Seventh day, the, the second quadrant is also always the most normal. The first quadrant is always weird. Christian scientists are kind of weird in that they believe everything is mine. But Christian scientists, or but Seventh day Adventists believe more. Well, may, I'll think of something later to put in there, said, but, but Seventh day Adventists believe more in. More that there is both mind and physical matter, and their doctrine about the Trinity is more in line with normal Christian dogma or with the uh, Um, 
they believe all right so the the J witnesses have a standpoint that is most similar to the idea that everything is physical and there is no mind thus they are the most third quadrant oriented as the third quadrant is most related to physicality what I mean They, I'll say they do. They don't believe, or J witnesses don't believe in a separate ethereal world like that. God or angels, or in a separate ethereal world, and that God and angels are non-material and spiritual. But they believe that God and angels are material, and they believe that heaven is on heaven will be established on earth and it will be established on earth at the end time thus they don't really believe in the spiritual non-material existence like most Christians do. They are kind of the opposite of Christian scientists who believe that nothing is physical. The third quadrant is opposite of the first quadrant. Or the third quadrant is always characteristically opposite of the first quadrant. The first quadrant is always the most spiritual and good, whereas the fourth quad or whereas the third quadrant are you listening, Grandma? Mm, say that again. I said the, the first quadrant is always the most spiritual and good. Whereas the third quadrant is the most physical and often is viewed by the by others as bad. Or viewed by people as bad as bad. If you think about it, physicality has a negative connotation in most spiritual traditions, and the third quadrant is the most linked to the physical. J witnesses are most like physicalists. They may not completely abandon the notion that there is a mind, but regardless, you see my point. Also, J witnesses are a bit more simplistic and normal. The first quadrant is always kind of weird, but the second and third quadrants are always more normal. Once again, I get rid of the word weird. Take it to find another one. Christian scientists are very spiritual and believe everything is mine and many would see that as kind of weird but at the same time how about strange 
no, I like weird. But at the same time, I'm gonna use weird grandma. But at the same at the same time, spiritual people are seen as good. For instance, Buddhists are very spiritual. Alright, whatever. I, I'll take that fucking part out, whatever. But you get my point, right, Gamma? Okay. Mormonism is the different fourth cult. It is very different from the other three. It's the what? Say that again. Is the different fourth cult. Fourth what? Cult. C-U-L-T? Yeah. Or I'll say according to Hokima. According to Hokima, Mormonism is the different... Uh, I'll just say Mormonism is, is a different fourth cult. I would say is the fourth cult that is different. Oh, is the fourth cult different from the other three? The fourth quadrant never seems to belong. I would say that Mormonism kind of has elements of the first three so-called cults. The fourth quadrant transcends yet contains elements of the first three. For instance, Christian scientists believe in a mother goddess and believe the mother goddess is non-material. And the Tetragrammaton is a material father god who is evil and is, a, is an illusion. Christian scientists say that Elohim is the mother goddess and the Tetragrammaton is the father god. Mormons also believe in a mother goddess. And I'll say, however, Mormons believe that Elohim is is the father god and the tetragrammaton is jesus hold on a second Ryan, wait. yeah what was that <clears throat> oh i had a problem there um you say that word again elohim 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 what is that e-l-o-h-i-m it's it's the a word for god in the bible in, in the in in the in genesis god is referred to by two names elohim and the Tetragrammaton. So the Elohim is another word for God. Yeah, some people think it's plural. Some people think it means a trinity, but some people and think... Because is it uh, Hebrew? Yeah. It sounds Hebrew, that's why yeah. I wondered. I know I heard it before. So however, Mormons believe that Elohim is a father God and that, and that the Tetragrammaton is Jesus, his son. Mormons think that the Tetragrammaton... I'll, I'll say J witnesses J witnesses like Mormons believe that the father and the son are separate J witnesses think that the tetragrammaton is the father god and jesus is a human son 
but is not God. J witnesses hold that Jesus is just an exalted man. Who is those? The J witnesses. Okay. J witnesses believe that the Tetragrammaton is the Father God. <clears throat> but J witnesses are similar to Mormons in that they make a striking distinction between the Father God and Jesus the Son. Heterodox Christians, or I'll say, Mormons like Seventh day Adventists take the Sabbath very seriously. And also have laws have strict have more strict laws than most Christians. For instance, Mormons do not drink alcohol or caffeine. Many Seventh-day Adventists are vegetarian because their leader taught that Christians should be vegetarian and emulate Adam and Eve in the garden or emulating Adam and Eve in the garden. All right, the four major cults, Christian scientists, first quadrant, Seventh-day Adventists, second quadrant, Jay Witnesses, third quadrant, Mormons, fourth quadrant. Okay. Different religions will say God is Jesus or no, God is Allah or God is Krishna or God is Buddha or God is Krishna, Jesus and Allah. But I posit that even the four world religions only exist as a relational interplay dynamic of the quadrant model. Buddhism is sensation, perception, response, and awareness oriented. Buddhism is the first quadrant world religion. According to a famous sociology professor I heard speaking in a great course's lecture, there are four world religions. A world religion actively converts people through proselytizing and possesses a large area of land. Judaism is not considered a world religion since it does not actively convert people through proselytizing. Christianity is belief, faith, behavior, and belonging oriented. Christianity is a second quadrant world religion. Islam is associated with thinking, emotion, doing, and dreaming. Islam is thus the third quadrant world religion. And Hinduism is characteristically affiliated with contemplation, passion, flowing, and knowing. Hinduism is therefore the fourth quadrant world religion. People will argue that one religion is right and the others are wrong. Or they may argue that none of them are right. Or they may 
become perennialists and say all of them are right and that they point to timeless truths in unique ways. And have many overlaps. But the quadrant model suggests that these religions exist as everything exists, most importantly to elucidate the quadrant pattern. Buddhists are disposed toward or quadrant pattern in relational uh, in relational balance. And relational affiliative balance. Buddhists are disposed toward the mental. They tend to be peaceful and kind. These qualities, these are qualities of the first quadrant. The first quadrant is always good and passive. Christians are very concerned with proper belief and faith. The stereotype of a Christian is he believes that believing in and of itself brings salvation. The second quadrant is connected with belief. Also, Christians are very into community and even focus on what they term a relationship with Jesus. Relationships are very second quadrant oriented. The second quadrant is all about relationship and community and homeostasis and conservative conservation. Um, Muslims are stereotypically more focused on doing. Muslims perform many rituals. Also, in the world culture, many people view Islam as negative due to what they believe is terrorism associated with the religion. The third quadrant always has a quality of being bad. Hinduism is the transcendent fourth. Hinduis Hindus are stereotypically very cont contemplative and philosophical, and they don't seem to belong with the other three world religions. The fourth quadrant is always transcendent. Allah is the name of God for Muslims. How do you like it so far, Grandma? So far, so good. Uh, Allah is seen by Muslims as a supreme. Allah is made of four letters in a three plus one pattern. Allah is spelled with the three Arabic letters, A, L, and L, and a final silent letter, H. In Arabic, it has four letters, not five. Five, like in English. Muslim mystics see symbolic mathematical relevance with these four letters. Christians and Jews recognize that the God of the Bible is called YHW and H. A term for the name of God in the Bible is the tetragrammaton. Tetragrammaton means the four letters. The term God is actually not relevant to the Bible. The word God comes from German. The Germans called their gods gods. The supreme power in the Bible is a tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-N-H. So when in the Bible it might say praise so when in the English Bible, it might say praise God in Hebrew, that would either be praise the Tetragrammaton or praise Elohim. Or 
praise L. In the Bible, it does not say God is supreme. The Bible says YHW and H is supreme. Kabbalists say, Kabbalist Jews say that Y is creation. The first quadrant is always good and linked with creation. The H is sustaining of the create is the sustaining of the creation. The second quadrant is always maintenance and homeostasis and conservation. The W is creativity and action. The third quadrant is always linked to action. And the final H is transcendent. Rabbis note that the final H is silent and they announce... Or I'll say Kabbalistic rabbis... Kabbalist rabbis note that the final H is silent and they announce that there is special significance to the final letter of the Tetragrammaton. The fourth... Quadrant is always different and special and unique. <clears throat> or I'll say and distinctive. Either one is good. The four letters of Allah are A L L H make up the four quadrants. The four letters of Tetragrammaton are Y H W and H. The Hindu Upanishads say that God is the Om. Krishna says he is the Om in the Bhagavad Gita. Shiva says he is the Om in the Shiva Purana. Ganesha is said by Hindus to be the Om. And Hindus pronounce that Ganesha's body takes the form of the Om in images and idols of Ganesha worshipped by them. Or in idols of Ganesha. Home again? Something you just said. Om. Om. What's that? According to the Mandukya Upanishad, a holy text, I'm reading right now, the whole, a holy text of the Hindus, the Om is the fourfold sound. A is creation. Brahma. The first quadrant is always linked to creation and is the least physical. U is the maintenance of the creation. Vishnu. The second quadrant is always related to maintenance and homeostasis. M is destruction. Shiva. The third quadrant is always destructive and has negative association. These are the first three letters of Om. These are the three letters that Yeah, that uh should I say that compose Om or constitute Om or that comprise Om? That comprise the word Om. And finally, there is said to be a silence that engulfs the first three letters. The, the silence is the fourth. And finally, the Mandukya Upanishad says there is a silence that engulfs the first three letters. The silence is the fourth transcendent aspect. Arya Samaj is a Hindu sect that says that only the Vedas should be followed in Hinduism. And according to them, the Vedas announced that the Om is the only God, the fourfold Om. A, Brahma, U, Vishnu, M, Shiva, and finally silence. The Vedas mention many gods, but according to Arya Samaj, the Vedas also say that there is one god, the Om. In reality, there are many phenomena and powers. Indra is the storm god. 
There are storms. Surya is a sun god. There are suns. But behind all of these phenomena is the organizing principle of the quadrant model. The fourfold quadrant pattern. What do you think so far, Grandma? So I'll say the quadrant pattern is the ultimate governing Ultimate governing. Uh, should I say entity or what? Ultimate governing. Because um, I, I want to say principle, but think of another word for principle. say ultimate governing essence of reality or is the governing ultimate governing aspect of reality or essence of reality As a side remark, there are four Vedas in Hinduism, and the four Vedas have four types of embedded texts. The four Vedas are the Rig Veda, the Yajur Veda, the Sam Veda, and the Athar Veda. The four types of embedded texts are the Samhitas, the Brahmanas, the Aryakas, and finally the Upanishads. The Gnostics called God Abraxas. According to Carl Jung, a famous psychologist and mystic, Abra means four. The Gnostics were a group of Christians who were labeled heretics by the Roman Church and persecuted, but their teachings lived on throughout the ages. It is interesting that many ideas in the Quran, such as that Jesus did not die on the cross, were adopted from Gnostic texts. For instance, one Gnostic text said that Jesus was not put on the cross, but somebody else was put on the cross instead to trick and... The Gnostics, oh, okay. um, tricking the Romans that they killed Jesus, or tricking the people, I'll say the people, that they killed Jesus. The Ishmaeli Muslims say that Jesus, I'll, I'll say, also Gnostic texts have interesting stories such as that Jesus talked as an infant. Muslims, or I'll say the Quran also has such stories and scholars think they were adopted from the Gnostic texts. 
Ismaili Muslims, however, Ismaili Muslims, however, say that hey. Jesus. I'm back here in the office. Go ahead. Ish, Ismaili Muslims, however, say that Jesus did die on the cross. Ready, Gamma? Okay. Ismaili Muslims, however, say that Jesus did die on the cross, and they believe that this does not contradict the Quran. Yeah. What does it mean? The Ismaili Muslims say that the reason why the Quran says that Jesus only appeared to die on the cross is because the physical body is only an appearance and is not the real self. Why did they want to um, make the, uh, make people think that he didn't die? Well, because the Quran, uh, mo I'll say most Muslims think that the Quran says that Jesus did not die on the cross, since it says that he only appeared to die on the cross, but did not really die on the cross. What did he do then? But what happened to him? I'll say most Muslims believe that believe like the Gnostics believed or like some Gnostics believed that Jesus was switched with another person and another person was crucified instead of Jesus only making it appear that Jesus was crucified okay. the Ismaili Muslims a sort of Sufi sect of Islam however hold that Jesus did die on the cross and that the Quran is a mystical transcendental document that is spoken in an elevated language that only the adept can understand and the Quran was really saying that Jesus did die on the cross, but his body is not the real so, uh, Jesus. Words, all a hoax. No, it's not the real Jesus, but only an appearance. They hold the mystical view that everybody's bodies are not their 
quote, real selves. Well, what are they then? So they say Jesus' body was crucified, but the Quran states that Jesus was not crucified because Jesus was not his physical body. Okay. So that makes sense, right? I guess, yeah. Jesus. Some Gnostics argue that Jesus could not die on the cross because he was not a physical person, but was a spirit. The Ishmaeli Muslims believe that Jesus was a physical person, however, and he did die on the cross, but they say the Quran says that he only appeared to die, but did not truly die on the cross, because according to their mystical somewhat, or because of their mystical notions, the physical body is not the true self, and if the physical body dies, that is not a real death. Arba means four in Hebrew. The Gnostics worship... How do you say it? Huh? Arba. Arba? Yeah. The Gnostics worshipped Arboxus. According to Jung, according to Carl Jung, the Arba and Abraxas means four. Jung explicitly stated that he believed that the Gnostics saw the number four as God. Kiryat Arba in the Bible means the city of four. The four in the city of four either refers to four giants that the Israelites fought there or the four couples buried there. The four couples are Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Leah, and according to the Zohar, Adam and Eve. <clears throat> the fourth couple is different. The first three couples are Hebrews who were contemporaries in procession to each other. But Adam and Eve were not Hebrews, but were the first humans. Abracadabra, according to some scholars and mystics, means 414. The, ab the, the abra can be mixed to spell arba. Thus, the Abra at the beginning and the Abra at the end are really two fours. Abracadabra is a well-known magic. Yeah, expression, isn't it? Yeah, expression. Expression in magic. Oh, yeah, that's where I heard of people. Used to perform miracles. Jung said that the first emanation of God in the Gnostic tradition, Barbello, also has in his name the number four, Arba. He believes that Barb in Barbello is a sort of reference to the word Arba, which means four. Mix the letters Barb and you get Arba. There were four religious groups of the Nag Hammadi manuscripts. 
They are the Gnostics, the Valentinians, the Thomasine, and the Hermetic schools. The ancient Sumerians had four primary deities, An, Enlil, Nihursag, and Enki. The ancient Hawaiians also had four main deities, Ku, Kani, Lono, and Kanaloa. The Aztecs had four creator gods, Tetzacaltepoca, Kisipe, Totec, Quetzalcoatl, and Huitzilopochtli. The domains of the fourfold, the dominance of the fourfold three plus one pattern is pervasive throughout through most mythologies, and I demonstrate in this book that it is the foundation of existence. The scene expressing itself as dominant in all domains. The Bambara Africans view God as a quaternity of Bemba, Muoso, Koroni, Kondie. Faro and Nidonombiriri. Toni Morrison is in one of her books describes God as having four faces. She explicitly mentions that she portrays God as having four faces as opposed to three, alluding to the African no notion she says alluding to the African notion of God being fourfold as opposed to threefold. Many, many Christians tend to believe, adhering to the concept of the Trinity, that God is threefold. Carl Jung said that the reason Christianity was unbalanced was because it left out the fourth aspect of God, which he proposed should be the goddess or Satan. The Mapuche Amerindians said God is embodied in four components, an older man, an older woman, a young man, and a young woman. In Hindu mythology, Krishna is, a man, is manifested through quadruple expansions at the beginning of existence. Through two quadruple expansions. The Babali Africans worship Niambi. Niambi means the personality of the four. Plato said that the Demiurge created the universe from two tetrachists, two groups of four numbers. These two groups of four numbers are called Plato's Lambda. The two groups of four numbers are 1, 2, 4, and 8, and 1, 3, 9, and 27. Plato represented these two groups of four numbers in a triangular tetrachist formation, and mathematicians and philosophers play with this tetrachist and find intriguing numerical patterns. The four... Okay. So everything is ultimately an ensemble with the purpose of the revelation of the quadrant as dominant and supreme. What drives the sun is the fusion of hydrogen atoms to form helium. Helium has four nucleons in the form of a quadrant. As the sun expands, the elements comprising it develop by factors of four. The water in the clouds are tetrahedral in shape. Or the water in the clouds is tetrahedral in shape. Tetra means four. The water cycle has four steps. Existence is a quadrant matrix with the number four and the three plus one manifestation revealing itself as primary and ubiquitous on all levels and dimensions. While things seem disparate and separate and non-related, they are all united in that everything is merely an aspect and an ultimate quadrant revelation existing for the purpose and intention in some way contributing to the expression of the quadrant. Existence is an overall composition of the quadrant taking representation in overlapping manners and an all-embracing ultimate matter that defies logical and naturalistic explanations of science, but even resists simplistic fundamentalist notions of religion, which reduce reality to narrow, mutually exclusive conceptions, 
and miss the big picture and the fact that everything, even contradictory elements of existence, ultimately fit together in the overall purpose of the demonstration of the quadrant. The quadrant theory is metaphysical in essence and is a meta-theory in the deepest sense. The quadrant theory is not naturalistic, but it also is not nonsensical. It is deeply logical and consistent and provides a coherent and co co cogent structure even though it breaks free of all parochial limited conceptions and incorporates them all into one meaning structure. For instance, biologists believe in natural selection. Well, there are four primary scientific fields of inquiry, physics, chemistry, biology, and psychology. Biology is a third quadrant field of inquiry. The third quadrant always has the quality of being bad. Biologists are looked down upon more than other scientists. Number one, they are not seen to be as smart as other scientists, like the first quadrant-oriented physicists. Physicists who partake in the first quadrant field of inquiry or field of science physics are seen as smart and good. Their research has practical effects in reality, like the making of computers and satellites. However, physicists are viewed as weird. They are good, but they are weird. The first quadrant always has the character of being weird. Biologists are the third quadrant. They are seen as dumber than physicists. They also have views that are controversial to many, like the concept of evolution, which offends many religious people, but biologists are also more cool and normal. They are opposite of the first quadrant. They do cool field work with animals and experiment on creatures. Oh yeah, the fact that they do experiments on creatures also tends lends to the notion that they are bad. Thus, the biologists embody the qualities of the third quadrant. The bad quadrant and the most physical quadrant. All of the quadrants are connected. Science is the first quadrant field of inquiry. Inquiry. Religion is the second quadrant field of inquiry. Art is the third quadrant, and philosophy is the fourth quadrant. Science and religion are described as opposites, but they are really a duality. Religious people incorporate the ideas of science into their teachings, and they try to contend with notions of science. For instance, Christians will try to argue with or agree with ideas in physics. Many Christians will disagree with the idea of the multiverse, but Hindus will agree with the concept of the multiverse. Christianity is a second quadrant religion. Hinduism is the fourth quadrant world religion. Hinduism is more philosophical and abstract. The fourth quadrant is always more philosophical. Christianity is more simplistic and concrete. The second quadrant is always more normal and concrete. Hinduism almost doesn't belong as a religion. Some people say it is a philosophy and not a religion. The fourth quadrant never seems to belong. But it's important to note all of the religions are homeostatic. They are all belief, faith, behavior, and belonging oriented and focus on creating conformity and maintaining order. And they all tend to support the status quo, even if, ironically, many of their mythologies speak to the poor and the oppressed. It is not a coincidence that religions are or religions tend to be conservative and serve the function of homeostasis in society the second religion is the second quadrant field of inquiry and the second quadrant is always the most related to homeostasis and conservation.
Buddhists are enamored by the notions of quantum mechanics, which they argue reveals the truth that the self is an illusion. Buddhism is the first quadrant world religion, and physics is the weird first quadrant science. Muslims like the concept in physics called the fine-tuning argument, which says that the characteristics of the four forces of nature are so precise that they must have been fine-tuned, perhaps by God. Hold on one second, Grandma. I'm going to call you back in one second. My mom's calling. Okay. Hello? Did you give him the go-ahead on your car? Should I? Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. I said, did you? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Um, I'd like to talk to him to see what really needs to be done on the car. Oh, I gave you his number. Oh, you did? I didn't see it. Yeah, look, look at the text messages. You'll see it. It's, a, it's okay. a, at the top. All right. Hey, Grandma, are you there? Grandma, are you there? Ryan? Yeah. Ryan? Right. Are you ready? So, so Buddhism is is the weird first quadrant world religion in physics. Okay. Muslims like the concept in physics called fine tuning argument, which says that the characteristics of the four forces of nature are so precise that they must have been fine tuned, perhaps by God. Physicists say that if the forces were slightly differently calibrated, the universe would collapse or be destroyed. Science and religion are in constant dialogue, and far from being opponents, have always informed each other. Yes, there is a debate between them. They are a dichotomy, but they are also attempts. There are also attempts at agreement and reconciliation. In the same way, religion, which consists of belief, faith, and behavior of groups of people, and is a second quadrant field of inquiry, informs and interacts with art. Art is you know, a huh? You know what, Ryan? Yeah. I have to go now. But we can do this tomorrow if you like for a while. Okay. Do you like I'm it so far? It was very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, dear. Okay. Uh, what, what time should I call you tomorrow? Uh, later in the afternoon. Okay. Okay, honey. Bye-bye. Right, bye-bye.